Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that didn't prepare an intro. You make it seem like this the first time, though. Come on now. That's Mike Pellucci, D Magazine's own. Yeah. yeah. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. I um, I do other things about the Mavericks. I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a podcast. Um, a pod about the Mavericks, things like that. Right here, as you listen to it. So we're here to just talk about Mavericks things. Um, one of our more unscripted episodes, and honestly, historically, some of those have been the best ones. So this is either let's see where it be, goes. You could be listening to a great episode. You could 25, 30 minutes from now be like, God, that was great. Or you could be like, man, 30 minutes ago, Tim and Mike were morons because this episode was trash. Only one the, way to find out, people. The only Mavericks podcast to not lose in the DFB poll call. Ah, yeah, that's a Bruce Dortmund reference. Uh, I'm a Dortmund fan, and uh, I'm not doing okay. Let's He's talk not. about trades. Let's talk about. I, I think it's time. I think. I think that we are hurtling towards trade season, towards the deadline, towards the idea that the Mavericks have two players who are going to be free agents and the in a matter of months and. I think that if it is July 2022 and Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson are both on the Mavs roster, they need to resign them both. Not because yes. I think it's the right decision in terms of team building that I, I don't think you can have that much money tied up in Luca, Kristaps, uh, in Tim Hardaway Jr., in Dorian, and in Jalen. The, the five some of them would add, up, would add up well past $100 million, right? Yeah, you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't. You, that, that's that's like that's not a five sum that is going to win you a championship. Much much less even like guarantee you that you're going to get past the first round. But in terms of value loss and in terms of being able to sign someone, you know, sign players rather than losing them for nothing, you gotta you gotta resign them. Um, but there's a fix. There is something you can do in the meantime. And it's trading one or the other before the deadline hits. And well, I don't know what way necessarily the team is leaning. I don't think the team is leaning one way or the other. I don't think it is a decision between Finney Smith and Brunson. But I do think that it is a very active buyer's market. And I do think it's a very active time for them to explore any and every possible deal and I don't think Kristaps can be traded 
Luca won't be traded for damn near obvious reasons we don't have to discuss. Everybody else on the roster is available. Yeah, so here's the you say they're not leaning anywhere. My question is because this upcoming stretch of games after Toronto, these next three games, which are you know Phoenix, which is Memphis, which is Golden State. Let's say this team wins two of those. Let's say this team wins three of those. I don't think they're winning all three, but let's say they win three for the sake of a conversation, or even two, with how they've been playing. Can you, as this team's brain trust, I don't even say can you as Deco Harrison because we all know that the decision-making is a lot more complicated than that, but can you, as this team's brain trust, talk yourselves into making a move when this team at that point will have had, you know, it will be hitting its stride and playing not just its best basketball of the season, but beating good teams for the first time all season. Can you say, yes, we have the courage to do this because big picture, it makes sense when in the immediate picture, this team is rolling, looks better than it has since what the bubble at that point. I don't I, know. <laughs> I, th- I th- No, I think that's really good framing. I think, I think, I think that's a necessary question to ask. I, I, I think that the team, you know, really since uh, that Indiana game, the the game in Indiana has looked dramatically different. Right. That's also only a month plus a week of sample size. Um, it's the same team. We know it's yeah. the same team. Oh, I not, I am. No, go ahead. I'm not advocating that they should talk themselves out of trades, but this is human nature, and this is not just human nature, but this is also an organization that operates for as much as data plays a role in this team and in every NBA franchise. This is an NBA franchise that operates with a good deal of sentiment, right? We know this based on who they have brought in to be more and more part of this organization. They bring in, you know, Nico Harrison's an outsider, but everybody else that they brought in over the last calendar year are familiar faces, right? Whether it's Jason Kidd, whether it's Dirk coming back in his ceremonial role that will eventually lead to something larger, whether it's Tyson Chandler and JJ Barea being around. These people believe in things that are not just hard data. So if you're going to believe in people and you're going to believe in ideas, wouldn't you then by extension talk yourself into these people and these ideas who we believe in have this team playing better? And even though it's a the same roster, the culture is different and the culture is more Mavsified and we can make this thing work. I could see them believing that. Should they believe that? No, I, I don't think they should believe that this team – I definitely think you could believe that this team is on the right track and is playing better and until proven otherwise, like a lot of these changes are for the better in terms of coaching and how they play. I think that's a reasonable reaction. Does, should that preclude you from making big picture moves? No, it absolutely should not. Uh, but we have not seen – it's been a long time since this team has had the nerve to make big moves, obviously, because this roster is the same. But, you know, I just think back, and this is, it's an unfair comparison, right? Because the league was so different, you know, 15 plus years ago. But, like, think back to where this team was from the early Big Three era until the 06 year when they got to the finals. That Those teams were very good. Those teams got a lot further than what the, this iteration these Mavericks did. And they tinkered constantly. They made trades all the time. And it's a lot harder to do now. This league is so much more solved than it ever was then. So I do not want to make a like for like comparison. That's unfair. But there was just a freewheeling nature about this team and just this impulse that, you know what, we're going to do whatever it takes to get this thing done. And if something's not working, 
we're going to try to change it. We're going to change it, and we're not afraid to make changes. And until proven otherwise, I don't know if this that DNA is anywhere in this organization right now. Uh, I think that's a really interesting thing that you touched on. I have been writing uh, a story about Dirk Nowitzki uh, for our NBA 75 project. And so I've been in, obviously his jersey just got retired. Was it last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks it was ago. Two weeks ago two weeks. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, time time is a a flat circle, and Indeed. and I so I, I've been looking and thinking a lot about his career, and it is it is startling how much the team changed from, you know, the the two thousand two oh three season to the oh three oh four season to the oh four oh five season to the oh five oh six season within the span of three years. It was a completely different roster. It was wild. <laughs> it, it was insane. It was it was it was a wild wild time where they it just everything not, nothing would nothing would stick. Like they 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 were like okay this team didn't do it uh, on to the next one. And I I don't I don't know if that was the right approach. I I, I think that I, I've always kind of thought about doing a story about the um is it the it's the 2003 off season the 2004 the, the 2003 off season uh, when the they got the Antons. They, Antoine yeah, and they Antoine. got yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2003. That would have been yeah. That was the I think the 03 off season. No, no, no. And that's the 03 was... because 04 is when Nash left. Um, okay. 03 yeah, yeah, is yeah. when they had a team that made made it to the conference finals. Um, they had a chance to beat San Antonio and make it to the finals, and they would have beat New Jersey, uh, the New yeah. Jersey Nets. Um, I, I truly believe they would have beat them if they made it there. I don't know if they advanced through that conference finals, but that was the conference finals that Dirk injured his knee. It was the one right. where Don Nelson said, I am not going to play him. It is There is too much risk. And it was the moment and the reason that uh, Cuban and, and Don Nelson's relationship fractured uh, to the point that in 2022, when Dirk's jersey retired, Don Nelson was not invited to the ceremony. Um, it, it's interesting. It, you know, I, I think that offseason was really interesting. It, it would have been very easy for them to run it back. And say that we were this close and we had a team that was a conference finals team that looked like it could have been a finals favorite. Uh, when Dirk got injured, they were down 2-1. Um, he got injured in the third game. They were, they, were, they were down 2-1. There's no guarantees they would have won that series. But I think if they do, they would have uh, beat New Jersey in the finals, uh, as I said. Um, they didn't run it back. They chose to get the two Antoines. They changed up the team. Uh, I remember talking to someone when I did a Dennis Rodman oral history back when you actually uh, were my editor. Or Indeed. Pour one out. Good, yeah. The Athletic uh, Dallas. It was a good time. I, I remember someone, I, I forget who, I'd have to go back and look, maybe Damon Jones, but w one of the people who I interviewed told me that they really still held it with them to this day. Um, upset feelings that the general manager that the front office that Don Nelson chose not to run that team back, that they felt it would have been the right decision. And I, I think, I think, I think two things. I, I think that it was maybe a little bit too aggressive. Maybe they should have let a couple teams stick together. Maybe they should resign Nash, uh, something Cuban has said he should have done in the years that have followed. But I also think that there's a balance between the two and, I, I don't know what the right balance is. I, I do think that the Mavericks, as they're currently constructed, have to change this team. I, I don't think that there's any scenario where you look at the past month plus week of results and say, this is enough to stick with this core 
thinking it right. will just all come together. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't believe that because I've seen this core for two years and sure. I cannot see enough internal development to think that, Oh, now they're going to win a couple series and they're going to be in a, a conference finals and they have a chance to win that. They have a chance to go to the finals. They're not as good as Milwaukee, as golden state, as Phoenix, they're not as good. They're not as. I mean, good I as think Brooklyn. they go in a playoff series the way they're playing right now. I definitely think right, they but do that's bad. not that's that's not. I agree. Objective. I agree. Right? No, it's not. But okay. But here's the thing, right? You're talking about the Anton Antoine's team. You're. I would submit that you are too far down the track. That is only a fraction of what they did. You go back to the first year they made the playoffs. What was their move at the deadline? They took the contract in the league that everybody thought couldn't be moved at the time, which was Juwan Howard. Everybody thought Juwan Howard was overpaid. They get Juwan Howard's deal. They go and they win a first-round series that year. What do they do less than two years later? Flip Juwan Howard for Rafe LaFrentz. What do they do with Rafe LaFrentz less than two years later? Flip him for Antoine Walker. Meanwhile, somewhere in there, they get Nick Van Exel in the Rafe LaFrentz deal. Nick Van Exel is basically the forebearer to Jason Terry, right down to the headband, the Sox, and the number 31. He helps give them a hell of a series to beat Sacramento, albeit without Chris Webber. Becomes a city cult hero at that point. What do they do with him? Flip him to Golden State. And or no, I'm, I'm forgetting the order of which it was Golden State that they moved him to, right? At any rate, they flipped Nick Van Exel. Is that how, they, is that won- how they got Eric Napier? No, that, that was that was no. Later. They used that the Nash later. money on him. They used the Nash yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but right. That's they right. They get that's the right. two Antoines. What happens when the Antoines don't work? Walker goes to Atlanta for Jet. Jamison goes to do, to Washington for the pick that becomes Devin Harris. Devin Harris eventually becomes Jason Kidd. What is my point in all this? That <laughs> I six don't know. Years, but I'm, excited getting, to hear. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You have a five to six year stretch, right? What think about what I just said about how this organization operates in terms of culture, in terms of sentiment, in terms of believing that if we get the right people in the room, that we can shape the talent here our way and make this work. You know what those teams back then did? They said, screw that. We're just gonna keep, you know, it's the whole one red paperclip phenomenon, right? You keep trading things for more things and you just keep going for talent and increasing the talent quotient and roster because eventually you will find the right fits. That 03 team with, you know, the 0304 team with the big three and Antoine's was a mess. Dirk was playing a lot of center. He didn't get the ball enough. The five of them together, it just, nobody played any defense. It was a train wreck, but they were talented and they didn't worry about the culture then because they figured if we get the right talent here, we will eventually find enough talented pieces to get the culture. Sure enough, Antoine Walker didn't work, but Jason Terry damn sure did. That pick that became Devin Harris was a lot more useful for them than Anton Jameson was for a while, even though Anton Jameson's a great player. He eventually becomes Jason Kidd. The teams back then, absolutely the philosophy of that front office was we need to get more talented however we get more talented Figure the rest out later, and the only thing we will never move is the young European superstar. And guess what? It worked. That's not to say they made all the right decisions all the time, but by chasing talent and saying, we will figure out the culture when we have enough talent, that was how they eventually got to win. Right now, I think they think, and maybe they prove me wrong in the next month, but the last two years, it has been fairly evident that they think we need the culture. We need our guys. We need people who think the right way. And maybe that can transcend some talent if Luca does enough. So is that true? No, I don't agree with I agree with you that it's not enough. But I don't know if they are going to be aggressive enough. And I don't know if they could talk themselves out of that mindset now of all times when this team actually is on a run doing things defensively exactly the way Jason Kidd said they would, especially if... You know, it's bigger than one-week sample, but 
if you beat three of the top four teams in the West, including the one in your division ahead of you, including one you've already beaten this year, which means you'd beat Golden State twice, and including the team that has kicked your ass for five years in Phoenix, if you can hold your own or win two plus of those games, then is this group of people with what we know they value in 2022, will they really stare in the mirror and say, you know what, this is not enough and we have to do the hard thing and make a play right now and make a trade? I don't know, man. I think they should. But knowing what they know now and how they operate now versus how they used to operate, until proven otherwise, I just don't know if that's in them or if that's what they want to be in them. Isn't it interesting how dramatically they've shifted in yeah. that mindset? And yeah. and with as much as many words as we've said on this podcast about Mark Cuban, he is still the person overseeing everything. And he's kind of truly flipped his mentality, you know, as much as we believe when correctly believe that he is still ultimately the person who makes decisions. He has went from, you know, the embodiment of the word maverick to someone who believes in stability and culture to the point that he has held on to teams for too long and that he has tried too hard, as you said, red, red paperclip. He has tried too hard to jump all the middle steps of that process and not believe that there is an ability for the team to sign players who aren't going to be championship, you know, number twos, championship number threes, uh, you know, title contending starters, but just a belief that he can go flip those players at some point. And, you know, as we talk about this mentality, Don Nelson was... You know, Donnie, Donnie Nelson, uh, Don Nelson, but then Donnie Nelson was the primary GM of that during this entire time. And at some point after the finals, Mark began thinking, all right, we can skip the step. We are a we are a team with a trophy and we can go sign superstars. And I, I know we've talked about this and I don't want to rehash this too much, but isn't isn't that isn't that bizarre or interesting? I, I don't know what to think of it. Well, and I mean, you know, and now that you're saying this, I haven't necessarily had this thought before, but now it's kind of popping in my head. What if what we see in 2022 and this whole two plus year process of tweaking the roster and building something continuous, what if that's a reaction to he let the championship team go and he sits there and thinks, hmm, maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe continuity is good. Maybe keeping role players around is good. When we won this championship, what do we do? We had one fantastic star and a bunch of really you know really smart role players who did their jobs for the record i don't know if he thinks that i'm not mark cuban's head i've not talked about that also for the record that would be the wrong lesson to take from everything that happened in so <laughs> many different ways right like the the dirty right. little secret as much as everybody in town would have loved to have seen them run it back uh and you know you might want to earmuff it a bit if you really this is going to bother you guys but this is kind of the truth they shouldn't have actually paid any of those people from the title team. And they were kind of right to let most of them walk because most of them were in their thirties and in their decline years. They should have paid Tyson Chandler. Hey Mike, you're a bad person. (laughs) I know there are people listening to this and are very upset and they should have paid Tyson Chandler. Do not get me wrong. I think, I think speaking of you being my editor in the past, I think you actually edited that story. I did. Um, Were you there in uh, 2019, like the December, 2019? Yeah, I came in in May 2019. So, yeah. so I wrote I wrote a story like um, like what if scenarios, and I believe in that story. I said that in 2013 they would have been favorites 
Like they could have. Oh, I'm vaguely year. remembering this now. Yeah. Yeah. And who because, were you assuming they resigned at that point? Obviously Chandler. Oh man, I'd have to go back to it, and and I don't want to. I don't want to do the podcast thing where it's like we're gonna look stuff up and uh, yeah, use yeah, elevator yeah, yeah. music. Uh, I remember <laughs> thinking convincingly that they would have had maybe it was 2015. It, actually, I think that's what it was. It was 2015. If it was 15, we're assuming they they did something on the open market because there were just not yeah. enough core pieces left on that title team that would have been young enough to do that. Though, right, right, right. Because right. anyway, Kid, it's, Terry, it's, Matrix, all that. Let's let's but, let's get back to let's get back to 2022. We've we've I've I've caused us to digress so far. I, I find this interesting. I don't know. Again, I said this was going to be an unhinged episode. I don't know how much other people find this interesting. I, I I think that, as you said, the lesson to take away from all of this is not that the team is, like, should be continued to be constructed as your top five most played players being Luca, Chris Stapps, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, and Jalen Brunson. I don't think that fivesome, even though I genuinely like all five players... Um, Hardaway probably the least, uh, especially this year, and, and we should probably focus on him. But yeah, we'll, I genuinely like I genuinely like all five of those players for who they are. They as a as a five some collective, they are not paid in a way that is going to allow you to be a championship contender. If you still had Luca on a rookie scale deal, which next year you no longer do, if you still had him on that. It would be a little bit different if you couldn't if you could plop one more player who was at least as good as Hardaway or Brunson into that top five paid mix, and you had a a rookie skill contract to go with that. Um, and I guarantee you, this is the way that front office kind of think about team building: is that they think about like where can we get value? Because because look, free agency is all about overpaying people. You have to overpay people in in the open market. It, it is it is an inevitability of how this sport functions, of how this league functions. And if you go pay Jalen Brunson $20 million, that's about what he's worth on an open market. Yeah. Is he actually worth 18 or 17 or 16? I, I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's worth more than that, but he's not going to be worth $40 million. He's not going to be the max player in the style of LeBron James, where actually a max contract is well under what you would be paying him. And the way that you build championship contenders in this league, is you have value contracts. You have people that you're paying that give you more than the sum of the parts, more than the sum of what you're actually paying them. It's like, I hate this mindset, honestly. It's 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 such a capitalistic mindset about how <laughs> yeah. this well, sport know. works, but it's correct. The way that you build teams that are better than the other teams that are trying to do the same thing as you is you find market inefficiencies. And if you pay all five of those players, you're getting one market inefficiency. You're getting it from Luca, assuming and he will be better and he will be worth more than the contract he's being paid. And that yeah. is the only market inefficiency you have from those five players if you resign Brunson and Finney Smith. And you will not be a you will not like you won't fucking be a title contender. If you do that, that's 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 not how you build one. Like we've seen too many stories to we we've seen too many examples of this to understand that's how it works. And yet, if they get to the offseason, both of them, you can't let one walk. That's terrible asset management. Right. No, hundred percent agree. So the move is probably to do something now. 
Yeah. But do they, A, have the nerve to do it, B, find the right partner to do that with? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other complicating factor here, and I suppose this is where we got to talk about, about Tim Hardaway Jr., right? It's like, if there is a guy, and I don't just say this because he has been noticeably worse almost across the board this year, but just even if Tim were playing more or less like what he was playing last year, with Brunson's emergence into just a much more complimentary piece for Luka, Tim is probably the guy who just doesn't fit what you need. Because we talked about this before, but in crunch time... You don't want the three of them on the floor together. That is that is right. a defensive disaster in the perimeter waiting to happen. You don't have Dorian is not good enough to clean up by himself. Really, no one perimeter defender could clean up for three. No matter who you are, if this team had Chris Middleton, it would not matter. Uh, and, and Brunson and Doncic have been okay. They've like, been fine. But like sometimes they've been some, sometimes they've been slightly better than average. It, it is not good enough to truly make a like a seal tight closing defensive lineup no you need another plus defender with them uh ideally that sort of player is playing the tim hardaway minutes at a crunch time team the problem is how do you a lure said player and b what do you do with tim hardaway if that happens the obvious answer to that is maybe you find a better fit in the open market for tim than what this has become uh but tim hardaway's market value is not good right now yeah, Tim, it doesn't sound I mean, like there's anybody out there who really wants him. And I, and and I think I, in time, in, in time, there will be. He has a declining yeah, contract. I do not that think was Tim a Hardaway, good move. It was, look, yeah, let's be clear. They absolutely should have paid Tim what they paid. They could not have lost him. They did not lose him. What was true at the time remains true, which is when Tim Hardaway plays like Tim Hardaway, that deal is probably a little less than what you think Tim Hardaway would get in the open market. Uh, so this isn't us retroactively saying this is a terrible decision. They had to make the move at the time. They did. I don't, I don't think either of us think that Tim Hardaway is this player. I think he's having a rough stretch. Are we sure but, about that? Are Are we absolutely sure about that? So so, so my, my working theory on him is that he is someone who benefited greatly from Carlisle's very demanding, very exact system-based coaching, where he was someone who said, no, you're not going to step into a long two. Yes, you're going to take spot up threes. And, you know, like we've talked about how players probably don't benefit necessarily from a heliocentric offensive scheme where they are spotting up in the corner for 75% of their time on the offensive side of the court. He might have been one who did. He might have been one when he got better with the Mavericks because he was awful to start the 1920 season. Yes. When he got better is when he started playing just about every damn minute with Luca. 
And he looks so much more like the Knicks version of Hardaway that it, it just it I, I will, it, it, it has way. me concerned. It has, yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think there's definitely reason to be concerned. I, I, when you and I were talking about what to talk about today, my, my text was, at what point do we start getting concerned? I guess I'm saying that I don't believe he is a true talent 38% shooter and 33 from beyond the arc, which is what he is right now. I don't. Sure. He may not be the guy. And, and in New York, he was even better than that. Yeah. Right. Like he, I, he he's may even not, worse than his new than his Knicks numbers. Yeah, I do not. He very well might not be the player that Carlisle's system made him out to be, but I do not think he is this bad. And I do think, you know, and the way scouting works, it, this is a scouting universality among in sports. Scouts and organizations will absolutely talk themselves into if we've seen this once before, we can find a way to get it again. That is always right. how this works. So I guarantee you, even if, you know, just because Tim Hardaway's you know, value is not great now, that doesn't mean that once he starts picking it up, that there aren't other organizations that are looking and saying, well, we saw him do it for a couple of years in the right playmaking environment. If we have better spacing on this team, and a lot of teams have better spacing than Dallas, uh, and, why can't we do some of that? And better yeah. structure. Why can't yeah. we do some of that, right? This is the cousin to the, if Kristaps Porzingis stays healthy and keeps playing at the level he's playing at, in the offseason, you might be able to trade Kristaps Porzingis again. Um, I mean, it, it, that's that's the entire thing, is that, that contenders who are trading for players understand that they're getting players who understand they have to fit into what exists. If you if you are a very good team and you're trading for a player who understands that you're a very good team, you will get a different player when that person arrives. They will understand. They will understand yeah. conceptually that, that they are not coming here to serve and play in the role. And they will be able to, you know, agree with that and to understand that specifically because they understand that that you know the team that they're coming to is better. So I, I I think that there is value for him that will happen eventually that 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 will be there. Um but all the signs point to right now it not being there and with three and a half years left on his left on his contract, I I think I understand that. So Yeah, so I mean that's what that's what makes it tricky, right? And you know and like gosh, you talk about ways in which the Mavericks did not get lucky. And it's not just luck, because again, it's changing schemes, right? But finally, when you get Jalen Brunson coming on, and you can at least entertain the idea in a vacuum of like, how does Tim fit us? Is there another way to go around? In the ideal scenario, Jalen Brunson develops and Tim keeps what he was from last year. And you have the great problem of three great perimeter players of various values. And then you have a lot more flexibility of what you can do. Right now, it's okay, Jalen Brunson's developed. That's great. We got to pay Jalen Brunson oh shit, we really got to pay Jalen Brunson because what is Tim giving us right now? We right. don't know. And what is Tim giving us in the trade market? Nothing. So we just have to hope Tim turns it around. And in the meantime, they've got beyond zero leverage with Jalen Brunson. If he is right. here after the trade deadline, they've got to cut that check. Period. End of story. This has been a fun rambling conversation. Is there anything else you want to touch on that I that you feel is just pertinent to this you know, we didn't necessarily mention Marquise Chris getting his deal, but I think that was something we saw was going to happen. Uh, and the Willie Cauley-Stein exit of that, uh, you know, seems pretty logical. I think that's, it's not like Chris has played a ton since this deal, but that's what he's going to be. He's going to be the fourth big. When you need him to cause some havoc, he's going to run in there and cause some havoc. He knows that role. He can play it a bit better than Willie could. Works out. It's yeah. a good little find on the on the uh, COVID hardship roller coaster. I wish the best to Kali Stein. I, I think that he was always slightly better than the way that he was perceived. Um, I also understood why he was perceived that way because 
what he did wrong really stood out. Um, I, I, and I think what he did well did not stand out, but it, it was the right move. And uh, hopefully whatever personal situation that he is yep. working with is yep. uh, doing well. Um, that's really all I have to say. I, I think we've, we've covered where the Mavericks are right now. They've won nine of 10. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so Austin, our pal, Austin, you heard him on the show last week, tweeted yeah, a phenomenal pal. stat. What's that? Pa- pa- pal is aggressive. Yeah, yeah well, you know, he's here. He's around. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted a fantastic stat, which is that not only do the Mavericks have the best defense uh, in January, the gap between one and two is the gap between two and 18. That is how Ooh. well they're playing. Yeah. Now, there's some shooting stuff that comes into that, right? That is not true talent defense. But that doesn't change the fact that right. they have won 9-10. They're playing their best ball. They demolished the Golden State Warriors on Dirk's evening, which really just made it the best Mavericks night in a very long time. I mean, this week's going to be really interesting, right? Like, I think we have reason to believe that they're better than Memphis. They can be better than Memphis. Right. Uh, if they beat Memphis again and they beat one of Golden State or Phoenix, really, I mean, I'm, I'm paying it. I'm, that Phoenix game especially, uh, because Phoenix really has had their number – for five years it's been they can't beat that team uh and most teams can't beat that team because they're phenomenal but if they beat that team that's on the road that is a really big win and that is a it's a statement win but big picture might not be the statement you want because that might make people a little more gun shy about making some moves that's all we're saying that's a good way to frame it that's a good way to end an episode let's uh let's do that then Thanks, y'all, for listening, uh, and we'll be back next week with another podcast that will probably involve Mike Pellucci, maybe Oscar Bria, our sort of pseudo-pal. Um, maybe Dave Dufour on vacation right now. It, it could. It, it truly could. So, Possibilities are endless. Yeah. Anyway, um, Brucey Dortmund, I don't love you. See y'all next week. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the Future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! Uh, that is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>